Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Darcy Thompson-Fields. And my name is Nathan Anibaba and this is the CEO of our digital show. This is an open-ended exploration of markets, technology, trends, ideas and strategies that will help you better deliver results for your company and your stakeholders. You can learn more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. Darcy, what did you think of the interview with Gunjan? It was incredible. Great to speak to someone who's uh, held a variety of C-suite positions across massive Fortune 100 companies. Definitely. Um, I think a particular highlight for me was how we talked about the fact that, of course, customer experience is a huge driver for transformation, but also how you can only achieve that by providing incredible employee experience. You know, providing your employees with the right technology and the right training, enabling them to use it. 100% couldn't agree with you more. How about for you? I loved his points about culture. I mean, he's worked for Disney, Amazon, Microsoft and Walgreens. And just the insight on how important it was for people to be aligned across the entire organization, across customers, stakeholders, shareholders, employees, that alignment of the culture within all of those organizations really came through in, in what he shared. Yeah, that's so important. Should we get into the interview? Let's do it. Our guest this week is Gunjan Bao, the Global Chief Digital Officer of Walgreens Boots Alliance. Gunjan has worked at two Dow Jones 30 companies and two trillion dollar plus market value companies, bringing his passion about transforming organizations through customer-led digital products and business models to serve hundreds of millions of customers and generate billions in revenue. Currently, he is leading the digital transformation of Walgreens Boots Alliance, a $130 billion global business spanning healthcare, pharmacy and retail. His focus is on digital and omnichannel development, retail product, e-commerce, payments, healthcare and much more. Gunjan has also led transformation efforts at Inductee, the Walt Disney Company, Amazon and Microsoft. Gunjan Bao, welcome to the CEO.Digital show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely fascinating having you on the show. After getting your MBA from Harvard Business School in 1999, you've held senior roles with Microsoft, Amazon, Disney, and now Walgreens. Was this always the plan that you had from your career from the beginning? Uh, no, I would be uh, lying if I said I had a <laughs> grand plan uh, with my career. That is not at all uh, the case. It's uh, as they say, you know, you you go through life and you connect the dots looking back. And that certainly has been the case uh, for me. However, I do have, uh, I have realized that I have followed certain themes throughout these uh, roles and opportunities. And uh, I often get asked in terms of how I chose uh, the types of companies and um, the types of domains and projects that I worked on. And I do believe that there is there is a method to what um, what led me to all these opportunities. But uh, yes, if you ask me if I had the grand plan in '99, no, that's not the case at all. <laughs> well, we're currently speaking to you from the UK, where we are in another lockdown. You know, countries around the world are seeing rising cases once again of COVID nineteen. How has the current environment influenced digital transformation at Walgreens Boots Alliance? Uh, that's a great question. I, it's it's difficult for me to say 
you know anything about the the pandemic at all in terms of uh, a positive however i do believe the pandemic has accelerated both the need and the actual execution of digital transformation at uh, almost any company that has uh, managed to thrive survive through the pandemic because it's almost become imperative mm-hmm. uh, i think um, the critical piece that i look at it is for many organizations uh, the digital method of engagement engaging with the cons- consumer has become primary it was one of the several ways you engage with the customers it that's hence the word omni channel there was one channel and then there was a digital channel and for many companies digital is now the primary channel and in often case it's the only channel that uh, the customers are able to engage with the organization and vice versa of course and what's been your biggest learning you know over the past nine months from a digital transformation perspective uh, for me, the greatest learning has been the front line of all these all our organizations are incredibly resilient and creative in terms of adapting to a situation that has truly been unprecedented in our lifetimes and probably ever. Uh, it's been a remarkable. Uh, learning for me to just realize that here we have organizations which are more than a hundred years old uh, where you know tens of thousands of employees and our team members working a particular way for all those years and now the pandemic happens and how they have been able to adapt and come up with creative ways to not only uh, do their jobs but also help our customers and it's been it's been an eye-opening experience for me uh, just the resiliency and creativity yeah. and adaptability of people let's talk about walgreens boots alliance you've led the digital transformation at the company a 130 billion dollar uh, global business spanning healthcare pharmacy and retail you're now part of the dow jones 30 industrial average a fortune 20 corporation and have over 410 thousand employees what does digital transformation mean to a company of that size and scale and and significance that's actually a great question because we are operating in such diverse environments and businesses as you said even uh, our core business which is uh, dispensing uh, pharmacy and, and medications prescription medications is so different based on almost every country we operate due to that particular country's environment you know for example where you are in the uk uh we you know a lot of that is managed to, through the nhs versus you know here in the us it's uh, largely being uh, reimbursed by private insurance providers and so forth so when it comes to digital transformation it's uh always a different uh, solution for each of the environment. But the common theme, uh, the way I always look at it is, what does the customer, the individual at the end of the day, want and desire and need? And, Mm -hmm. And work back from that 
to enable them in the most successful way. So digital transformation in this particular case could be, hey, uh, you're not able to come to the store so we can deliver the particular pharmacy items to you. Um, if the stores are not able to open in the US, the digital transformation takes the form of you ordering online and picking items up through drive-through. Hmm. Uh, uh, for healthcare, it may take the form of having your the appointment with your GP uh, or the doctor in the US over uh, video in your mobile app. To, uh, to uh, not require you to come into the particular clinic or, or perhaps wait for the appointment. So the common thread is there is a digital component to each of the customer journeys that the customers wish to engage with our business. And I think with that common thread, we have been able to really synthesize and unify all our digital transformation offerings globally in all, all the countries we offer. Mm. Because ultimately, no matter what business or what uh, geographical environment we are operating in, there is a customer that we need to serve. And there are digital tools and technologies to enable us to serve that customer in a particular way. That's the way I look at and prioritize our digital transformation efforts. Hmm, really fascinating. And and with a company, uh, the age of, of Walgreens Boots Alliance, I mean, you're 100 years old now, digitizing a traditional company like that surely comes with cultural and legacy challenges. How do you get a company like that to modernize and change in the way that you'd like? Oh, well, I don't think we have enough time in the podcast to <laughs> go through <laughs> how do you change sure. a company of over 100. <laughs> We've got four more hours for this, haven't we? <laughs> Jokes aside, though, I, I, no, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's both uh, difficult, but also there is a tremendous amount of positive aspect of it, which is once you are able to affect change and innovate the the scale of such a large company is uh, it makes it possible to make an impact that you would not be able to get any other place you know i prior to walgreens boots alliance i worked at the walt disney company similar you know the 60 year old company and i found the same thing yes it is there is no doubt that um, it takes um, slower. It takes long. I mean, it takes longer. It takes more time. You have to build alliances, uh, consent across multiple different business priorities, different organizations, geographies, and operations uh, that are happening um, in various parts of the organization. But once you do um, accomplish that hard work of finding alignment, making uh, consensus and in, in formulating a common plan, the ability for an organization to serve millions or sometimes tens of millions of people at the same time globally mm. is just <clears throat> enormous. I, you know, the example I gave earlier about uh, drive-through, when we have in the U.S. Uh, more than 6,500 stores with uh, drive-through ability. And uh, yes, it took us a lot of time to 
worked through all the issues about digital ordering and picking up items in drive-through. Um, but once we did that, you know, literally in a matter of a month, you have all of these stores with this new capability serving millions of customers per day. Mm. Uh, on the, so um, I think uh, the way I would answer your question is, yes, it, there is no doubt it's difficult, but uh, looking at the prize at the end of the day is what motivates me and a lot of my teams. Uh, and you know, another somewhat of a magic trick you can do to achieve that is find a common uh, <clears throat> goal to drive this change that is not political, that it is not territorial. And in many cases, it's about the customer. That if you, know, if you pursue and if you build your reputation and credibility as I am doing this in service of the customer, sure. it does accelerate the process of finding alignment and uh, common, uh, common ground to earn support and, and so forth. Because I think a lot of challenges in large organizations that I've been to, been through with Amazon, Disney, and Walgreens Boots Alliance, oftentimes it's the tension comes from one business. Oh, well, this helps your business or your business unit, but not mine. Mm. And that's what makes the you know, process difficult to do something innovative or at scale. So, so you find a common thread and you, pers- and you pull that to its maximum leverage. Yeah. As you mentioned, you know, customer engagement is a great goal to, to unify under and, and to ensure alignment. But customer engagement has completely changed this year in the face of the pandemic. So how are you engaging and communicating with your customers at this time? Um, it is uh, almost entirely uh and certainly primary through digital means. Uh, and uh, even customer journeys which require uh, a store visit often in the face of pandemic begin through a mobile app or a website or other digital means. So, you know, the in the U.S., the most common customer journey is... Uh, I pick up a prescription that was ordered by my doctor, and uh, it uh, before the pandemic, you know, we we offered that digitally as well as you could come to the store and do that, or a blend of both. The omni-channel version, which is you you order it digitally, but you come into the store to pick it up yourself. Um, now, what we are seeing uh, very much is almost always starts digitally. In fact, the customers check first whether I can execute this entirely mm-hmm. digitally sure. or and avoid the trip altogether, uh, which uh, is pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty remarkable for a habit that a lot of our customers had cultivated for decades that within a number of weeks, uh, they, and, and, uh, and ultimately that's, um, that's one of the big lessons, and you you cannot really change customer habits. You yeah. can offer options. You you know pre- 
provide a great customer experience and value proposition, but ultimately um, customers are humans and we are, uh, you know, stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you're totally right. It it takes events like this to change customer behavior. Um, It's things like pandemics that enable people to adopt a completely different set of behaviors. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's really strange. Uh, what we are seeing now is the first step customers take is checked digitally and only if that they're not satisfied for whatever reason, they go the other way, which was just a matter of three, six months ago, it was the other way. They'll default to the physical means. Mm-hmm. And then if they are asked or if they find... Uh, some reason to, you know, for example, uh, the GP video visits I mentioned, even before the pandemic, in my opinion, it had a much better value proposition because you hmm. were able to see a GP within a matter of 15 minutes. Sure. 724 uh, here in the US. So why not do that and wait hmm. a week or more Absolutely. for a physical in person appointment, which you have to drive to or wait in line and all of that so it, you know it in my opinion in my uh, naive logic it <laughs> sense even before the pandemic but sure but you know people are like you said uh, uh, uh familiar with the habit and, and it's <laughs> fine especially about their health sure. now what we're seeing with, with the pandemic is that's the first place they check for an online appointment and only if their particular ailment requires them to schedule an in-person appointment they customers are doing that so it's it's pretty encouraging that way mm. you have you haven't met my sister the first thing she does is schedule an in-person appointment Definitely. for for everything <laughs> <laughs> i can i can be more offset definitely quick online for me absolutely um but you're you're totally right in the you know in the respect that this really has changed human behavior. And, you know, a lot of us have been forced to work from home. And, uh, you know, companies have been forced to enable everyone to, as where possible, to work remotely. So, you know, you've you've led customer-centric digital transformation for the company, but what role does employee experience play in that? Um, Well, I think employee experience is paramount, especially in businesses like us that at the end of the day some other individual whether it's digital or physical means is delivering that experience um so you know we talked about uh, video visits with your gp there is a human being there is a doctor in- interacting with you we talked about drive through there is an employee yeah. who's picking up your order or your items as you're pulling in through the drive-through window to make it you know more convenient for you to pick up items when the pandemic started in its early days in april or may time frame we also offered a curbside pickup where mm-hmm. uh, again in the us because you don't have to come into the store or wait that was entirely um, dependent on our employees in the store being aware about it, uh, being positioned 
to deliver their order, find a customer order and not create more chaos. Because ultimately, when you pull in, you know, you're trying to minimize social interaction. That's what the pandemic has required all of us to do. So the last thing you want to do is, you know, wait and talk to a handful of people just to find out where your items are. So I think in order to enable all of these uh, customer journeys and customer benefits, equipping our employees with technologies and training and uh, the tools to uh, do their jobs more efficiently has been paramount because we're quite honestly, I, I talk to the team every day. We're asking our employees to do new things, more tasks uh, without and with the restrictions of the pandemic, you know, in terms of interaction and touching and variety of other restrictions and, you know, cleansing. So it's a big ask. And that's Mm -hmm. why I said, you know, earlier uh, in our discussion, the greatest learning for me has been how amazingly um, adept and creative these employees have been um, despite. So I would actually, you know, answer your question in the way that, yes, employee experience is absolutely 100% true. And we have done our bit to enable that experience, but it really, uh, you know, it's a credit to the team and uh, those individuals who are doing this day in and day out. That's great to hear. Well, I mean, let's touch on leadership a bit. You know, how do you feel the role of the C-suite leader has evolved in this global pandemic? Um, you know, you mentioned that you speak to your teams every day, but you also mentioned that, you know, uh, the employees have have really taken on this challenge and thrived. So, you know, have you found that your employees have stepped up to lead projects themselves a little bit more? Or do you find that the C-suite are having to get a bit more hands-on in this time? No, I think it would certainly be the case where uh, team members at all levels, uh, not just those who directly report to me, but all the way out who work on the front lines have stepped up, have, uh, I, have contributed to a lot of innovation, a lot of ideas and organization. I think the role of the C-suite is really to listen to this input, this creativity, this energy, and to the extent where it's needed, align this energy. Uh, but it's no, it's if the C-suite is looking at yeah. all strategies and all initiatives need to come from the C-suite, I think the organization would uh, would would not be operating optimally and it would at best operate too slowly, even if the ideas are right and solid. Now, from the point of view of the companies that you've worked with, um, just some really fascinating organizations, uh, Amazon, Disney, uh, Microsoft, and, and now Walgreens, you're, you're probably one of only a handful of people in the world that have an insight into the inner workings of these um, amazing organizations. What what have been the main cultural and operational differences that you've taken away from working with such iconic organizations? Oh my gosh, that's a, that's another four hour podcast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think one common thread that I've been thinking a lot about is. Um, 
well, there, I mean, there's no doubt that there all these companies uh, are very different in their culture and uh, their values and the behaviors that get uh, celebrated inside versus get reprimanded. Uh, so yes, they're very different. But I think one thing I've noticed that all these organizations are iconic and they become so big and at scale is because they all have a culture that is consistently expressed across the organization. Mm-hmm. So even though they're, you know, the values may be different, their operating principles might be different, the leadership principles might be different, but they're consistent and exemplified and expressed all every day across every meeting, every customer interaction. And so in a way, it's the consistent expression of that which makes this organization successful at scale. Hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's you know, one of those not very glamorous or fascinating answers, but it's really an observation you realize that you really need to understand that these are the values that make this organization tick. And where I've seen companies struggle with scale is where there's too many different great ideas about culture kind of crossing each other out. You know, they're, they're going in multiple directions, which is preventing uh, a scale, you know? So for example, uh, I wouldn't name a particular organization, but certain organizations are extremely solid operationally there is when what makes them execute something is all the operational pieces of the company are lined up to execute on a particular strategy certain organizations get excited and energized because there is a financial opportunity Hmm. certain organizations get energized and excited because there is customer satisfaction that drives them that they would even not uh, consider losing, not hesitate to losing a bit of money if it increases customer satisfaction and there is no debate or there's no hesitation in the execution. So I look at, I think an organization really expresses itself on when they execute well and what was it about that particular project that enabled the organization to execute at consistent, scaled uh, speed uh, and and result in great execution. So I think culturally, to answer your question, it's really about understanding what provides the heartbeat and what values really inspire and mobilize this particular organization. And then positioning the initiatives that are necessary within those cultural norms enables the organization to be, um, because, you know, for example, you know, if a particular initiative that I did at Amazon, if I bring the exact same presentation with the exact same arguments into a Disney or Walgreens, it I can guarantee you it will not be successful because it will be argued against, uh, at best, it would be considered as, huh, Great idea, but not for us. Yeah. Sure. Makes sense. Um, 
just wanted to touch on digital transformation. Uh, back in 2018, you were a keynote speaker at IDG Digital Transformation in Seoul. Uh, you spoke then about how digital transformation has evolved from buzzword to creating real business value. Uh, you know, and I, I completely agree. It's just it's gone from being, uh, you know, a hot topic to something that companies are seeing as essential to action. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about that and, you know, how digital transformation has evolved since then? Oh, certainly. Yeah, that's uh, um, that's just, uh, I think it's really now probably the most uh, important topic in the boardroom at uh, what IT of large organization. In fact, I recently saw a statistic that over the last three years, $100 billion have been spent on digital transformation across uh, the Fortune 50 or Fortune 100 companies. And yet less than 5% of the corporate boards, the governance boards are happy with the results of digital transformation. Hmm. So, so you have this enormous initiative um, with tremendous focus and priority and attention, and yet the outcomes have been unsatisfactory. You know whether the outcomes be increased market share, you know change in custom, uh, business profitability or whatever, however you measure it. So, sorry to interrupt you. Is that a function of the misaligned expectations from the leadership team as to what digital transformation can achieve? Because we often know that actually, uh, you know, the C-suite have quite lofty goals or ambitions, but sometimes they aren't, they're quite nebulous and undefined quite often. What is that a function of? Is that a function of misaligned or unclear expectations or just a lack of delivery? It's certainly the the former. Uh, you know, you, you really hit it on the head. I think it was... Uh, for many organizations, it became um, a, a knee-jerk reaction to a market trend or competitive pressure. Sure. Uh, for example, uh, competitive pressure from companies like Amazon mm. or companies like Facebook, if you happen to mean media uh, and so forth, that I have to be more digital native or digital first just to survive. And... When you start a strategy or transformation with that kind of reactivity pressure, uh, it never uh, results in a good place. So that's one. And even in other companies which were less um, pressured by competitive forces, the second thing uh, applied, which is what you said, which was there wasn't a clear... um, measure and metric or uh, outcome that this is what it looks like once we are digital trans- digitally transformed. So because without a goal, you don't have a strategy to get to the goal. Mm. <laughs> so you want to, so I think, so you're right. I think the function really has been and what the companies which have made good progress uh, have done is both translate this lofty vision, as you said, very accurately into a set of measurable outcomes that are real and then 
translate that further into actual steps we can take and measure it along the way. Because that's mm-hmm. the other challenge. That even if you, you and I agree that you know five years in five years we are going to have more than 70% of our customers engage with us through digitally. Fine, that's a well-defined target. But what do we do tomorrow towards that five-year goal? And how do we know in three months whether we're heading towards it or we are not? So I think so. that's the other level of detail that needs to be defined. And because I've seen that happen, the organizations which are successfully doing this, those are the two things they do really well, is set a clear goal and then set milestones along the way uh, that everyone can measure and course correct as necessary. Perfect. And I just wanted to ask as well, you know, how do you, you know, it's one thing approaching successful digital transformation. It's another thing um, organizing that on a global scale. So what would be your top advice to roll out uh, digitizing your business globally? Two things. One is look at um, if you have a global business, quite often, um, it's a case where your the geographies where your business has the most uh, the largest presence may not be where the customers are the most digital. So, looking beyond your core business for strategies and ideas and customer behaviors that model uh, that you can model across the organization as a source of strategy would be one sort of insight that I have picked up. You know, uh, for example, you know, a lot of our customers in um, in Asia are more di- digitally native yeah. than in our uh, UK, Europe, and North America geographies, for example. Uh, and so just if you just look at what they do, sometimes provides a a good target for where customers in the Western economies might go. That's one one thing. And uh, the second uh, trick to sort of operate globally is to find common points of leverage uh, across all your geographies, you know, such as mobile technology, such as some other software and service technologies. You know, for example, uh, you know, U.S., is a significant driving culture. So we do we have to do a lot of uh, things with drive-through, but that may not be applicable in a lot of other geographies. So you start globally operating on initiatives that are indeed common, such as mobile order and pickup that literally works everywhere. So it, so it affects, um, being a global company affects both your, how you'd formulate your strategy and what initiatives you prioritize that uh, work on a global scale? Hmm. Let's let's talk a little bit about data before the end of the uh, before we get into our speed round, which we ask everyone. Which we're really excited to ask you some of our, our favorite questions. Um, Gartner recently came out with some really interesting stats on data and analytics, including uh, this one: by 2023, more than 33 percent of large organizations will have. Analysts practicing decision intelligence, including decision modeling specifically. 
do you think that's where we're heading um, in in large organizations? If if that's what we're do, if that's the direction that we're going in, what does that mean for organizations like Boots Walgreens? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly think uh, we are headed there uh, because uh, the decision making at uh, large organizations is pressured so much by competition, which uh, is operating on and operating from an enormous volume of data that uh, there is really no option but uh, you, for large organization to not be able to compete to do that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be competitive. And I'll give you an example. Uh, when I joined Disney uh, after working at Amazon, uh, I could, when I was at Amazon, I was able to tell you more about your movie watching behaviors, even mm-hmm. though the movie was produced by Disney. And now I'm <laughs> at Disney, I'm blind to how you watch Disney movies, other than the fact you watch it. I mean, I could. When I was at Amazon, I could tell you what is your favorite song in the movie Lion King, but hmm. you know which is a Disney produced movie. Sure. Another example I give is you go into an online store, you browse around for thirty minutes or so, look at a bunch of products, and uh, and you know for whatever reason you don't buy anything, you don't transact, you leave. You do the same thing in a physical store. You spend thirty minutes walk around, look at a bunch of products, and you leave. Think about what happens to data in both of these scenarios. The online store knows what you looked at, how long you looked at, did you sort by price, or did you prefer a particular color? All the things you did, even if you didn't buy anything, the physical store has no data on you until the actually you actually transact and even in that case all they know is what you actually ended up buying so and you 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 think of this at scale and how many decisions are based on data versus on gut feel and historic habits so it just doesn't scale in the modern world as you know decisions like uh, how you reach your customers which is the most efficient channel do you take an advert on TV or um, outside a, a big banner on a bus or do you reach them on Facebook or Twitter? This is a decision that affects billions of dollars or pounds. And if it's not rooted in data, it comes down to somebody's gut feel. Mm-hmm. So it is crucial. It's, it's, it's a matter of survival um, to operate based on data for this organization and including ours. So that's a, a key initiative for us in, in terms of uh, what data we have, how do we use it, how do we uh, collect the data we need, and and so forth. Hmm. Really interesting. Gunjan, we, can, we could speak to you all, all day, but we're fast running out of time. Let's get into our speed round. This is sure. the... This is the round where we fire some short questions at you. If you can fire some answers back, that would be great. Uh, more like, you know, who is the person behind the brand sort of questions. Right. 
do you want to kick off, Darcy? Yeah, I'd love to kick off by asking you, what does the evolution of the chief digital officer role look like? Uh, the evolution of the role is it ceases to exist. Hmm. Really? Because I think every company, the entire company for a successful organization, the entire organization needs to be digital. It, yeah. it shouldn't be a domain of a particular role. Uh, it is uh, like a chief innovation officer or something. You, you cannot compartmentalize that in a department. And if you do, I think you would, uh, you know, you'd, you'd be successful, but you'd be suboptimal. You, you, every, you know, for so the way I look at my role is as much evangelizing and influencing others to be more digitally savvy, the other parts of my organization, uh, than just look at my role as a function within uh, this large machine. So your, your ultimate goal is to uh, eliminate your own job. That's right. <laughs> we, we are hiring, by the way. <laughs> if ever you need a job. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, hopefully I will have succeeded in, you know, influencing our CEO and then we don't have a different role, which gives me more influence. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your guilty technology pleasure? Oh, you have to make me confess now. Um, I play uh, Fortnite with my <laughs> 13-year-old son and his friends. Amazing. <laughs> or, or he plays with you after That's you right. play. That's right, yeah. yeah it's just, uh, you me, play first and he yes, joins. Uh, it's, I, I survive. I try to survive and not be the first one to get killed. <laughs> Yeah, describe in one line what your son thinks you do for work. Um, sit all day in meetings, uh, telling people what to do. <laughs> it's not a bad job. To be fair. It's not a bad job. I think it's boring, but yes, <laughs> I, I love it. Share with us, if you can, what your greatest leadership success or experience is, if you can. Um, sure. I would say it's the um, the work I did at Amazon to uh, that led to the development and launch of the Amazon Echo. Uh, and um, Wow. The and what made it really fulfilling from a leadership perspective is um, we were trying to create something or achieve something that even inside the company uh, there wasn't a lot of belief or support in uh, the the prevailing reaction to it a voice-based assistant was, hey, Apple had already tried Siri mm. and it had failed to um, rise beyond a gimmick or a demo uh, for for a variety of reasons. The mobile phones are so convenient and voice is so cumbersome and clunky to use that nobody, you're trying to do something uh, achieves uh, solve a problem that doesn't exist. Mm. 
that you know we are it's too convenient to just type onto my mobile phone for whatever i need and get the answer i need why introduce this voice modality to interact with uh, the internet so against that kind of backdrop to continue to push for the project and make it as compelling as we did and solve that problem of you know it being a gimmick or it being just a little uh, demo of technology i'd say has been my you know a most significant accomplishment from a leader perspective fascinating yeah it's incredible it really has sort of you know we were talking earlier about um how digital transformation can change human behavior and i think that evolution of voice has, has certainly done that sure yeah um, so just for our final question, uh, we just want to give a little bit more for our listeners to to take away and ask you, what are the top one or two issues that you're working on that are top of mind today? Um, what I'm working on, I think there are two um, areas. One, from a product, from a customer experience perspective, what are the different ways we can create, eliminate friction and touch points uh, through the customer journey, all the way to the extreme logical uh, conclusion of using artificial intelligence, which we didn't talk about, to anticipate customer needs. You know, mm. Today, I think most digital technologies do a great job uh, of responding to customer requests. You, know, mm. you are ordering something, you are um, picking up something, you, whatever, you know, you're trying to get something done, you're ordering food, you're ordering taxi. But now we have sufficient data and AI technology has reached a level of maturity that we can anticipate and make it, make your life even, even more convenient. And uh, to the extent of, you know, getting you some things before you need it. And yeah. especially in, um, uh, in the areas of health, if uh, if we can use AI to anticipate or at least get ahead of a particular health ailment that you might be facing, or if there is an allergy or a, a pandemic like this, and be prepared for it earlier to have you know to meet with the customer needs and demand, we can really you know make everyone's lives better and more fulfilled so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really that's what i think about a lot and i i spend a lot of time thinking about how can we use ai to anticipate customer needs and behavior mm -hmm. uh, and the second area is uh more boring but i still think it's very important is everything we talked about earlier about employee experience employee adaptability and creativity during the pandemic these days i think a lot about how can we sustain that after yeah. the pandemic i mean is it is this just a rush of adrenaline that's going to dissipate out of fatigue or after after the pandemic has uh, has been past us or is there a way to make this a, a sustainable long-term cultural transformation that stays with us for the next 100 years and that and how how you know how can the c-suite uh, enable that and facilitate that, you know, and bottle up this 
magical energy we have right now into the future. Hmm. Great place to end. Yes. <laughs> Gunjan, thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you both for taking the time. It was a, a pleasure and a delight. And, uh, you know, good luck and be safe uh, wherever you are. And to you. If you enjoyed this conversation, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever amazing podcasts are found. Thank you very much for your time. See you next time on the CEO.digital show.